With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey. You. Hi there. It's 419. Do you have a minute? Good. Then let's pack a bowl. Cause it's time for Cannabis Talk. A special 420 themed segment of the Almost Daily Zencast. Hosted by Spiritual Cannabis Mystic, the incorrigible Mr. Zappa. Let's get lit, folks. Hello and namaste, friends. Welcome back. Top of the year, 2019. Woo-hoo. I 
honestly hope, dear listeners, that each and every single one of you had a beautiful, safe, awesome, enjoyable, relaxed and groovy, chakra opening, healing, cleansing, and fun, party filled with balance, of course, and responsibility, holiday season. Uh, as a member of the cannabis community, we don't really have holiday traditions yet, do we? That's one of the things we're going to talk about in today's episode. Cannabis holidays. Uh, we need to start celebrating them, right? Like if we're going to norm, if we're really going to bring the healing power of cannabis into the center of our culture, we need to celebrate some holidays. Now, the obvious one is April 20th. I've been doing that for a very long time, trying to the best of my ability every year to take that year off from all work, to meditate, to spend uh, quality time with, like, you know, partner, if I have one at the time, don't always do, etc., etc. Um, but that's a very informal way to mark a holiday. That's a very sort of like, I don't really do holidays kind of holiday. Uh and those of you who listen to my other segments or have been listening to my podcast regularly for a while, you know I really don't do holidays. So what am I talking about? Well, put a pin in that. We'll get to it in just a second. First, I'm going to take a hit. And then we're going to talk some news. Oh, disclaimer here, folks. For anybody who's new to the show. The opening sequence is pre-recorded, so I don't hit that hit every single time I do the podcast, just in case you didn't know. Um, and I only record cannabis talk, at least in the past, as of right now, as of this recording, I've only recorded the cannabis talk segment of the Almost Daily Zencast podcast series show uh, when I have the whole day or half the day, the, the afternoon, the evening, free to smoke at my leisure without the fear or concern of having to travel or go anywhere, right? Safety first. Especially because we let state agencies um, give a lot of discretionary ticketing power to local police departments. We'll talk about that. A little more later in the show, hopefully, if I don't totally stun her out and forget to bring in myself back to it. Um, but first of all, Zach, first of all, let me tell you a little bit about myself. If you're new to the show, if you're not, forgive me if I'm being boring. I'm a cannabis mystic. Simply put, that means not only does cannabis heal... Uh, not only is cannabis fun to party with, I think cannabis is something above and beyond, uh, that, that has deep, meaningful relevance, uh, for an individual person's spiritual journey and for the human species as a collective and that spiritual journey. So that's what that means. Um, on a personal note, I believe in taking breaks, uh, there's been a lot of resurgence of the fear-mongering that cannabis is really addictive. 
the reason they, uh, the opposition can easily convince people that cannabis is addictive is because there's two major root causes of addiction. A chemical dependence, and that requires the substance to give you the chemical, which is inherently in and of itself, without anything going on with your body, addictive. The substance of alcohol is in and of itself addictive. So, um, so there's that root source of addiction. Then there's the human source of addiction, and I'm not making a moral judgment here. I'm saying that there's two paths to addiction. A substance can be addictive, and the human body can have addiction as a flaw or as um, something it's working through, right? Something it's experiencing, something it's manifesting. And the definitions of addiction are slippery at best. And we have to wonder why alcohol, which is absolutely, undeniably, irrefutably addictive in and of itself, without a predisposition genetically in the human host, why is that still celebrated, lauded, and beyond perfectly legal? It's almost expected of you. I was, to note this, to, to as an indicator of this, I was randomly tuning into the TV and the first thing that was on was a commercial for one of those multi-tropical resort getaway packages where you can you can go to one resort and party at all seven resorts on the island, you know? The root of all these resort getaway huh, uh, rom-com horror movies. And um, one of the, the selling points, one of the selling points they landed on, right? It was like a beat. It was like, aha, that's why I want to go. Before they transitioned to the hook of the commercial, was the ability to drink to your heart's content. And they didn't mean water. They didn't mean kombucha, which is the only context in which I see alcohol as a drink in any way, shape, or form remotely approaching healthy. Mind you, I'm not a teetotaler. I'm not an absolutist. No, an abolitionist. I'm also not an absolutist. Nothing in the universe operates in absolutes. And the things that most people point to are in fact so relativistic that that's why they appear to be absolutist. But I digress. So, mixed in with a lot of the, the recent headlines is this buzz of, oh my, cannabis is, cannabis addiction is rearing its ugly head. Uh, and I can only speak from personal experience because tragically, I've tried to do the research, and there's, at least as of, you know, I tried to do the research into what existing scientific investigations might have found about cannabis and addiction, and there's very little science on that. Something I've talked about in other episodes, I'm sure, and I'll talk about in future episodes again, I don't doubt. But from personal experience... I've never met a person that exhibited, <clears throat> pardon me, that was one too many syllables in that word. I've never met um, a person that exhibited the kind of addiction symptomology that we see with meth, heroin, cocaine, cigarettes. 
when a stoner can't get weed, they generally sort of relax out of their anxiety of not being able to get weed. They might experience a little of anxiety of not being able to achieve what they want, right? Now, I have heard of firsthand testimony from other people um, of individuals who exhibited the kind of true, genuine uh, behaviors of addiction. But usually, especially in the media, when they talk about cannabis, they lump it in, um, they usually try to use this uh, sort of vague statement. Oh, they got to smoke it in the morning, they got to smoke it in the afternoon, they got to smoke it all day long. Yeah, but the, the same thing could be said about sex. Now, is sex automatically an addiction? No. Are there sex addicts? Of course. I digress. What's my point? My point is, as we move forward into this new era of growing, quote, normalization, and broader and broader and deeper and deeper acceptance of cannabis, we need to stay sharp, folks. We need to stay on point. We need to make sure that we're checking in on our friends who are indeed exhibiting um, addiction-type uh, behavior or, or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, evidence of addiction, right? Indicators. That's the word I was looking for. If you've got a friend who's exemplo, you know, embodying indicators of addiction, then check in with them. There might be other substances involved. Right? Now, now I'm not trying to make the claim that, that there cannot be found anywhere on the planet people who clearly appear to be cannabis addicted. But I, I, my argument is that since there's two kinds of addiction, the kind that roots itself in the substance and the kind that's rooted in the individual person and their body, maybe we need to drill down deeper into all variations of addiction research. There's a lot more to say on that subject, isn't there? But we said we'd do a quick review of cannabis headlines. So, let's check in with that. Looking at my uh, my screen here, one of my many screens, I haven't decided if I want to talk about my competing devices because there's been some, some newsworthy events there or not because uh, consumerism and it's not like they're anyone sponsoring me. But I also don't know what the right way to acknowledge where I'm getting this information is. So it doesn't seem like I'm trying to pull a scam. I'm legit. I'm looking at a screen. I asked an app to show me the news. Okay? Even I make arguments against trusting the news on the internet. But I, I'm not an absolutist, right, guys? You hardcore fans know it's a slippery slope of yin-yang confusing you. But I digress. So, setting aside all arguments about fake news versus real news versus what source is reliable, let's look at some of the latest cannabis headlines as reported on the Apple News app on my iPad. My my iPad 6th gen. The references to all those product names, blah, blah, blah. I respect their legal... Trademark, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they aren't sponsoring me. No one's paying me. I just, this is the tools I use. All right. Looking at the top headlines, NBC reports that Bay Area, California, back, uh, a California-backed marijuana bank not supported by a report. Ooh, that's interesting. I'm going to click on that later. 
Okay, an outlet called Spy, that I've never heard of, has an article called Five Cannabis Balms That Relieve Your Aches and Pains. That's hilarious to me. Uh, we'll talk about that in another episode. We'll see some of the other crazy headlines. Uh, American Cannabis Company, Inc. announces filing of... What does it say? Of Form 10K. I don't even know what that is. Never heard of Form 10K. Huh. Well, it seems to be a really wonky, really nerdy, like, market story. And it's got something to do with, like, they were doing so well that they couldn't file their paperwork on time, so they had to file for some kind of whatever form, what was it, 10K, uh, does for you to help you sort that shit out. Anyway, doesn't seem like something I want to pursue much further now. Uh, the West Globe Newswire has a headline reading, Cannabis Newswire announces collaboration with Benzinga to serve as official newswire for the cannabis industry. All right. The cannabis market shifts as farm bill is now law. Will the U.S. be the new driving force in 2019? Boom. That's right. That is right. Take, let's take a moment and drill down into this story. This is from Globe Newswire West. The byline, I believe, if unless I'm reading this wrong, is Point Roberts. So recently, uh, hemp was made possible in the United States because of the Farm Bill being passed into law. One of the few actually useful laws passed in the last two years just happened recently. To quote from this article, Canada took the lead in this sector, legalizing cannabis in October of this year, but all eyes are now on the U.S. as the Farm Bill passed and new states continue to legalize legalize cannabis. The U.S. cannabis market is expected to generate $23.4 billion in sales by 2020, according to ArcView Research. goes on to go real wonky nerd-like into lots of numbers and details. I'll have to... I'm going to take a look at that thing again. This is interesting. I can, which is Israel's cannabis industry. So I can Israel cannabis CEO quote cannabis to become as important to Israel's economy as high tech. Now that headline is mired in all kinds of loaded baggage, right? Let's let's not even open that can of worms about um, the nation of Israel and whether or not there's a evil, horrible, vile conspiracy there because. There's no winning that argument in either direction. But I think it's fascinating that any country in the Middle East, which stereotypically, and I know that's a horrible thing to admit, right? But like stereotypically speaking, they appear to be 
collectively all a little bit more conservative than even the conservative wing of, of American demographics. Uh, but I digress. That's an interesting thing that we should continue to keep an eye on. What direction does, uh, will other countries take cannabis? Let's not just zoom in on one country. And like I said, I'm not here to disparage anybody, so I don't want to open that can of worms about, um, I know so it's going to be inevitable though. Someone's going to, in the future, is going to listen to this episode and go off on an anti-Israel tangent. I digress. Here's a great article, which uh, was on my list of things to talk about a few months ago before I went sideways and took a big hiatus from making the show. For, I think the, the magazine is called Parents. Yeah. The headline reads, Men should stop using cannabis six months before trying to conceive, experts say. The advice stems from new research into the possible effect of cannabis, active ingredient, THC, on sperm. This is not new. Uh, in fact, cannabis culture has been aware of it. But based, to quote from the article, based on a new study out of Duke Health, and that sentence is a link, so we can click on that and go read the study if we really want, right? Which is always cool. Uh, published in the Journal of Epigenetics, experts say that men who do, men would do well to want to refrain from cannabis for up to six months before trying to make a baby. Now, conversely, uh, if, if what they're talking about represents a safe, temporary, and reversible effect of cannabis, because this is not a new, uh, Uh, this is not a new, uh, what's the word, um, issue or concern or interesting point of like, ooh, is there an impact there or isn't there? It's long been uh, something that people on the opposition have used as reasons that cannabis is bad for you. Uh, but then again, our whole world is obsessed with finding ways to prevent pregnancy going to leave it there, but that article looks like it's really worth reading. And checking out the actual medical study looks like it's a pretty good idea, too. So I'm going to bookmark that, baby. Put that on my Safari reading list. Boom. Okay. So that's just a quick, cheesy sampling of cannabis headlines. Uh, obviously, in in recent years, there's been an abundance of good news. My concern, dear friends and listeners, as a member of the Canis community, is my, my one of my concerns. I'm many, I suppose. One of my concerns is that we not lose sight of the bad news. I'll be the first to stand up for cannabis and say, not a lot of bad news comes out of cannabis use. Assuming all things are equal... And the person using cannabis is sound of mind and body, then the most common long-term effect of cannabis is enthusiasm for cannabis. Apparently, lowered sperm count, which helps prevent unwanted pregnancies, 
the reduction of stress, etc., all the usual things we associate, and healing, which we've not fully explored yet in our research, but enough to go, hey, this should be called medicinal, right? Hey, apparently New Zealand is ramping up to decide whether or not to legalize weed in 2020. Huzzah! Let's, let's keep an eye on that, too. And if you know folks out there, give them a shout-out of support. And let them know about this podcast. So, what I was saying earlier about um, let's not lose sight Oh, here we go, of the bad news. And here's one of those things that will be welcomed by industry people. Uh, but to me and my perspective is really horrible news. Although that's a gorgeous image. And I'm going to admit to screenshotting it because I want to play with that image. I'm going to see if I can collaborate with that image and make some neat art. But I digress. From... The Stranger, never heard of that news outlet. That's great. I'm way behind the times. A really article, a really, I missed a, I missed a word there. A really, um, I, I skipped it because I wasn't sure which word I wanted to use. A really creepy headline. Creepy is not the right word, but it works and I got to keep going, right? Here's the headline and it creeps me out. Big tobacco is getting into cannabis in a major way. <laughs> the second paragraph in the article reads, This news validates the crazy conspiracy theories of your stoner, stoner buddy in college who never changed his faded Rush t-shirt and held forth at every smoke session that the cigarette companies are totally going to get into weed once it's legal, brah. Turns out he was right. Um... Now, I get that the description is meant to be comical, but I was that guy. Not in college, because I didn't really smoke weed in college. At least not the first time around. Second time around, I was a decade older. And I did smoke responsibly on the weekends and evenings only when I was done with my work. Um, except for that one time, but that, that's a whole other episode. But here's the thing. Of course this tobacco industry... Not only are they, are they getting into the cannabis industry now, according to some tobacco industry insiders, they flirted with this notion over and over and over again throughout the decades, despite being one of the industries directly responsible for making cannabis illegal and getting the federal government to quite astonishingly and quite insanely and irrationally categorizing it as a class A1 narcotic. It's not. If you read the description of the, the, the effects and symptomologies of using a class 1 or class A narcotic, none of them relate to what you experience when you smoke cannabis. None. At least not in my personal experience. When I read it, I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? But I digress. Um, so... Shit like this from industries like the tobacco industry or the alcohol industry, which I know recently, just before New Year's, I saw some headlines indicating that the alcohol and some alcohol 
um, industry brands are heavily exploring cannabis beverages, not uh, alcohol cannabis infusions or combinations, not yet anyways. But hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, everybody knows that getting crossfaded is kind of fun, right? Now, that's, that's a party modality of cannabis. Some of you may have already heard my episode where I, I really go in depth about the different modalities. Now, I might have been really fucking high, so it might sound a little crazy. Um, but there's, and I might have already talked about it today. I don't know. It all blurs together when I'm actually spewing forth the words and thoughts. Um, interjection here. My show is always 100% authentic, 100% unscripted, 100% unorthodox. And some other word I haven't come up with yet that is about how cool it is. Um, and 100% uh, pro-cannabis, especially here in this this segment. And that can take years to explain. I've tried to explain it to sound-minded, reasonable people. And they walked away as confused as ever. Why uh, would anyone love cannabis? Um, but fundamentally, it's because A, it feels good, B, it heals you, doesn't kill you. Those of us who maintain that there is no evidence of cannabis overdose deaths have, you know, tried to provide the evidence for that. It's really hard to prove a negative. And there's plenty of deaths and death certificates that include the word cannabis. But usually they include other words of other, you know, names of other substances that had a lot more to do with that death than the cannabis, I would venture to say. As a community, though, my point is, we need to watch out for the industries that will want to profiteer on our sweet, sweet sister Mother Jane, uh, Mary Jane. I almost called her Mother Mary Jane. And I guess we could call her Mother Mary Jane if we want to make her the central goddess, but that's a whole other episode. <laughs> Mother, sister, uh, lady, Mary Jane, whatever you want to call her. Um, we can't allow profiteering, greed, and corruption, the usual suspects, to creep into this growing culture, this growing industry. Because if we do, then cannabis will no longer be the, uh, the divine gift of healing that it has the potential of being. And by that I mean that the plant can be altered, right? Tobacco was smoked in a specific way, a specific modality, grown in a specific way, treated in a specific way in pre-industrial times by our aboriginal brothers and sisters that we treated like cattle. Um, and then, you know, civilized society decided to catch that trend and totally flip it inside out. So like tribal people, ancient peoples, indigenous peoples used tobacco in a good way, in a healthy way, with restraint, and um, I suppose for specific purposes. And 
the commodification of that product completely inverted it from a sacred ritual plant to a highly addictive, highly profitable, incredibly toxic, deadly product for massive consumption with one and only one goal, profiteering. Now, some of us in the cannabis culture also smoke tobacco. And there's a lot of acceptance there because we get it, right? Like, duh, uh, cannabis is a journey of healing and everybody's on their own path. And that's something that when we, when we allow cannabis to work with us spiritually, um, then we, we have a clear, compassionate, accepting, embracing view of those that are hooked with tobacco. If we allow our cannabis culture and our cannabis industry to become blind and corrupt with profiteering, then it's going to be the same process of inversion, and it's already going on. It's always happened. There have always been cannabis mystics, and there have always been cannabis partiers. Right? Spiritual cannabis uh, practitioners and um, sort of one-dimensional party users. And I'm not judging between the two. I'm not saying, oh, the mystics are superior to the party users. I'm saying that the, the breadth and range of cannabis is such, and she gives us the freedom, the choice of how we will interact with her. She also gently shows you that the party modality is a dead-end track. There's not a lot of growth there. And it's not the cannabis that's blocking your growth. It's the party modality. It's the party mentality. Especially since, I mean, given the understanding that we're not talking about polite, normal, actual celebration of something. We're talking about partying in the sort of hijacked, corrupt, about getting fucked up, about getting trashed, about um, disconnecting from our lives, about escaping our troubles, etc., right? Cannabis will let you party with her. And sometimes that partying with her will be amazing and brilliant and exceptional. But ultimately, cannabis will bring you full circle and go, hey, partying is a dead-end loop. You've got to adjust your mindset brothers and sisters, you got to step back and change your perspective and realize that partying with any substance, but most especially partying with substances that for eons before our postmodern world came and trashed everything, were respected as um, sacred entheogenic tools of divine communion. Let me say that again. Plants like cannabis in in tribal times and ancient times, in mystic times and places, were addressed, approached, respected as divine tools, divine entheogenic tools for communing with nature and the divinity within nature. That's some heavy shit. Um, but it doesn't have to be. You say that sentence at a party, people go, well, that's a donor. No, 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 it's not about 
not having fun. <laughs> I digress, though. I went off on this tangent because the tobacco industry is ready to swoop. And I called that decades ago. I was that guy, like, although not as described. But I was that guy 15 years ago, 20 years ago, discussing the probability that tobacco as an evil industry was keenly aware that cannabis wasn't going away. Cannabis had survived, although albeit underground and, you know, kind of pirate status. Uh, and that now with the resurgence of popularity and acceptance was going to try to break onto the mainstream stage. I mean, an industry like tobacco has really only one of two choices. Get out ahead to be the leader in the competitive industry of providing tobacco products or try to keep it illegal or double down on re you know of on turning over the uh, decriminalization pattern evolving across the United States I think they were holding their breast for the first couple of years of this movement but now what are the numbers we're at now I think what don't get mad at me if I'm wrong I don't my my screen turned off and I'm just pulling this from memory but I recently heard something on I think the radio that we're up to like 30 states that have legalized medicinal marijuana and somewhere upwards of the mid to, you know, low to mid teens of states that are either already approving, have approved it as recreational or on, on, on the path to approving it as a recreational substance. As a community, uh, yes, we got to celebrate. Yes, we got to share the love and the enthusiasm, but but we got to make sure our house is in order, folks. We got to make sure that we're actually um, generating intelligent content about cannabis, not just marketing. We got to be creating education about this plant, and we can't do that unless there's really good research, and we can't do that until we. We can't really do that. I mean, like serious, hardcore scientific research until we make a few changes in politics, make one really important change in policy. And that's the drop, drop marijuana cannabis um, from the class one or class A narcotics grouping. Put it all the way at the bottom of the list if you want to still call it a controlled substance. But quite frankly, a cannabis plant should be as innocuous and unoffensive as a tomato plant. Next time you are confronted on the internet or in real life by someone who just uh, can't stand cannabis and wants to, and has irrational anger and right and wants to do horrible things to cannabis, you will ask them to imagine briefly for a moment in their minds replacing cannabis with a tomato plant. Would you be this up in arms about a tomato plant? No. Would you be this up in arms about a tomato plant that healed cancer? No. Now, we don't definitively know that cannabis heals all cancer, right? But there's enough preliminary evidence to suggest that it does help 
the healing process um, and it facilitates the body as it fights disease and that it's particularly effective against some forms of cancer. And we need more investigation into that, right? We don't need more profiteering. We don't need more meaningless uh, social media accounts uh, trying to get us to buy more product. Cannabis is a revolution because you can grow it at home. It's a little tricky. It's not as easy as some people think. And um, I'm not out to judge anybody. It's just a lack of education, right? There's a lack of knowledge. And there's a little bit of like an isolationism, mostly because it was such an underground thing for so long. I mean, growing up my whole life, cannabis or weed was an open secret, right? It's like this open pirate rebellion simmering under the surface of our otherwise polite society. Um, and by pirate, I just mean that it's it was banned and outlawed by, you know, the oppressors for doing that which the oppressors are doing. Uh, and, and I just mean, you know, isn't it sad and terrible? And I talked about this in a previous episode of Cannabis Talk and other segments, um, but that before, can, before this multi-year transition, um, arrests for cannabis were primarily targeting non-white youth. And now, very weirdly, the vast plurality, maybe not the majority, but the vast plurality of high-end cannabis businesses are all white people. I mean, that's not 100% true, but it's painfully true enough that it's you can see it in the physical photos when you look at different articles about big, giant, high-tech cannabis companies. So let's put a pin in that. We have to revisit, because it's been a bit now, right? It's been enough that we should be able to dig up some new numbers on the justice reform end of California's new cannabis laws. And for those of you living in other states and or countries, uh, I encourage you to bring that issue to the forefront of the conversation. It is, we cannot as a society change our minds on the legality of something that A, should never have been illegal in the first place, B, the, the illegality of which was uh, used primarily in a prejudicial way, and then just turn around and pretend none of that happened, and then somehow find ourselves in a prejudicial way, only encouraging people of a certain ethnicity bracket to achieve great success in the market. That's ridiculous. <coughs> I digress, though. Before I let this episode run on for way too long, here's my point. 2019, it's a big opportunity, right? We're getting ready for 2020. No matter what state you're in, what country you're in, 2020 is going to be a big year, politically, socially, and along the vector that we might call transformatively. As a community, whether you're deeply immersed and surrounded by fellow cannabis enthusiasts, or you're kind of the only one in your neck of the woods. We need to find each other, connect, 
upgrade each other's understanding and wisdom and, you know, share each other's experiences, both about the good and the bad. Because no one says cannabis use is 100% perfectly all great. You can do it. You can do dumb things to yourself by uh, using cannabis in idiotic ways. That's the topic for another episode. Dear listener, as always, I thank you for tuning in. And I invite your commentary, your questions, your critique, and your support. Please, please, please leave comments here on Sprecher, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram. And, more importantly, if you know somebody that you think might like my silly, humble, often a little rough around the edges, but still really 100% legit, heartfelt podcast, please, please, please share a link. That's enough begging for your support today. Thank you for tuning in. Um, oh, something I meant to say at the top of the show that I kind of got sidetracked on, on myself about. The fear mongers are out there, right? They're, they're whiplashing in response to this recent wave. And as we approach 2020, trust me, here in the United States and in other countries that have, for whatever interesting synchronicitous reasons, major elections on 2020, there's going to be pushback, folks. They're going to out... They're going to go out of their way to fear-monger public opinion away from supporting and investigating cannabis further. Don't fall for it. If you're not a cannabis enthusiast, don't fall for it. Oh, yeah. For those of you who did, you know, don't know, you don't have to be a cannabis enthusiast to check out my show, this segment or any of the other segments. It's not about that, right? Uh, but... Let me um, let me wrap all my loose ends up as best I can. Tobacco industry's coming at it, coming at us. And look at what they did to tobacco. Let's make sure we keep them in check. I'm not talking about being a dick and blocking them from participating in the market. I support, well, we need to do a whole episode on the term free market economics, but I support good Business. There's nothing wrong with that. Something inherently wrong with money. Um, but money gets hijacked by ego. We're going to have to talk about that in another episode of Almost Daily Zencast. Please be sure to tune in to my upcoming episodes. Hopefully several will be dropping over the next few days. As long as I don't totally trash my voice today. Oh, that's the thing I was going to say about myself that I keep sidetracking away. Um, I'm a big supporter, I'm a big advocate, I'm a big enthusiast. Um, but my position is not absolute. And here's some of my evidence, right? Like, I love the, there's a stoner pride idea out there, you know, of like, smoke weed every day, all day, every day. Sure. That's not for everybody. But that's also something that, Speaking from a mystical perspective, uh, 
that's something that spiritual cannabis users have explored in other cultures and that we really need to investigate. But conversely, from my direct personal experience, I found that smoking can and should be approached as many things in life, if not all things in life, in a cyclical manner. Um, for example, I haven't really smoked much this week because I've been sick as a dog. Now, it's easy to imagine that I just didn't smoke because I was super sick. Ironically, usually, I power through. And if I'm on my vacation break time from smoking and I get sick, I, I like break my vacation time to smoke some cannabis. I'll need to explain what I mean by vacation time. Vacation time, I don't mean like actual, I'm going away from my house and from work to go on vacation. I mean, when I take more than three days off from my usual smoking schedule. My usual smoking schedule is pretty straightforward and I think pretty responsible. Never before work. Uh, only once I've reached a point in a day when I no longer have to be responsible um, to others and that I no longer have to get in the car and drive. Um, because primarily I smoke, well, I, I, I first began my relationship with cannabis to party with it. And then I let it go because I found that, okay, great. But, um, I, I personally don't party that often. Um, but a lifelong trouble, insomnia, it hit me with a bit of hindsight. My first time I sort of stopped smoking weed after falling in love with it and partying with it. And I don't mean every day, but, you know, like when I partied. So maybe once a month, twice a month, I'd go to a party and I'd smoke weed instead of drink or smoke weed and drink. And I would make sure I wasn't driving, et cetera, et cetera. But eventually, like I said, stepping away from that and kind of going, ah, that was fun. Uh, I need to kind of like clear that out. I realized something really interesting. My insomnia, which has been a problem for me my entire waking life, wasn't an issue. During that period of like first romance with weed, I didn't register it right away. I didn't realize it until the insomnia came back. But my insomnia during that first little honeymoon period was just magically not there. And I didn't even miss it. That's how little I realized. Um, it so, you know, long story short, I came back to it later on for, from a much more medical perspective. I was like, this might help my body cope with certain things like my insomnia and some some of my joint injuries, et cetera, et cetera. Long before it was accepted as medicinal, there was plenty of old timers telling me that they also had discovered this stuff has healing properties and that others had told them when they were young, eh, party with it if you want, but this shit heals you unless you don't let it. It can not heal you, but that's you not letting it. Because healing is a collaborative process. All right, I've rambled out of control. I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, but yes. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of my New Year's resolutions is to do a, an extended um, vacation right at the top of the year. Really dry out, right? Um, and in part because as a cannabis advocate, I want to demystify this nonsense about, oh my God, cannabis is so addictive. If there's an addiction problem with cannabis, take a moment, look around your friend's life and see how many other substances are involved. 
The addiction issue is not cannabis. It's their addiction. They have addiction in their genes, right? Anyways, and that's not to shame them. That's like to adjust our perspective on how to help them. Addiction is a horrible problem. doesn't matter what you're addicted to. And people who are addicted to things need healing. Well, we'll have to bounce back to that subject in a future episode. But what I wanted to leave you with was this little sort of pseudo-promo, and that's that. Um, next week, uh, I'm going to kick off... Oh, for those of you who don't know, uh, January is my birthday month. Uh, and uh, the rest of the details are my own business. But Facebook tells you anyways, if you're friends with me, when my birthday actually is. I don't really celebrate, not in the normal sense. I'm not into holidays. I'm also not, what's that one weird religion that doesn't let you celebrate on your birthday? I do celebrate. I just don't do it in conventional ways, right? I, I try to do something that's really personally meaningful and involves people I care about. And I don't need gifts. But I digress. Um, I'm going to kick off 2019. Because usually, and this has been true of me for a long time, I check out, I unplug, I um, I absolve myself of any external social responsibilities at Christmas Eve. Boom. Between Christmas Eve and my birthday, I hold myself free of any other people's expectations of me. It's my time to renew, to heal, to meditate, and to celebrate the holidays the way I like to celebrate the holidays. Which is, again, not the typical consumerist, buy everybody meaningless gifts kind of celebration. <coughs> so, uh, this is a new thing for me. During this time, especially in recent years, as cannabis has become less and less uh, of, um, well, a, uh, what's that word for, not a risk, but a, uh, you know, it's, you can get in trouble for it. Well, risk is the right word, but there's a synonym there that I really meant to use. A liability. As cannabis has become less and less of a liability, uh, I feel more and more comfortable, obviously, to be open about it. And I've also explored more and more adventurously. I was going to say radically at first, but that has baggage. I've been more adventurous with my experimentation um, and my spiritual mystic um well, experimentation, really, that's the best word. I just should have put spiritual mystic first instead of repeating myself that way. But I digress. Here's the new experiment this year. I, I want to I wanna do this starting this upcoming Monday. Uh, I haven't pinned down the exact number of weeks, but it's got to be more than three. Might go nine. I like nine. It's a good, healthy, organic, Gaia-oriented, womb-rooted number. I don't know what numerology thinks about nine, because honestly, I respect divination and mystical occult arts, but numerology was always one that didn't interest me. I don't judge it, whatever. If you're into numerology, great. And if nine is a horrible number, please tell me all about it and let me know why I shouldn't use it. But here's my evidence for why I think nine as a number in terms of doing spiritual work might be a good number. It takes nine months in the womb to be born.
if it's good enough for Mother Nature and this species, why isn't it good enough for magic? <laughs> so, anyways, I digress. I'm going to anchor this experiment in nine. I'm going to, and here's, I've actually already experimented with this in the past in terms of um, how I frame my recommendation of meditation practice to people. You know the old adage, start with a minute and go from there? I'm like, that's easy. So start with nine minutes. And go from there. Can you do nine minutes? Can you do nine days worth of nine minutes? Can you do nine weeks worth of nine minutes? Can you do nine months of nine minutes every day? Um, so I, I used to use that as a, as a prompt for people that would ask me personally about meditation. Like, what would you, what would you recommend I do? I don't, I've never meditated before, or I've got a little bit of meditation experience, but I'm at a loss about what I can do to deepen my practice. And I'm not pretending to be a guru or anything. I just see with uncanny clarity, some meaningfulness there in my own work, in my own practice, in my own experimentation. So what I'm going to kick off as um, to be discussed in depth here on this segment of my multifaceted podcast show is I'm going to do a nice free and clear total cannabis free purge. And I know for some people are going to be like, whoa, that's crazy or gives a fuck. Um, but I want to, uh, A, I want to prove two points. First of all, and this will sound wild and crazy and part of me is a little intimidated to, to put it out on uh, out there on the record but during 2018 uh the way i managed my cannabis intake i took three major vacations and i think a multiple of three it might have been six or nine minor vacations a minor vacation is something that's under a week you know a couple days of just like okay let's not smoke weed for three days um, a major vacation is a minimum of a week, if not more. So in 2019, if I wasn't on a, one of these minor or major vacations, of which there couldn't be a grand total of more than 3, 6, 9, or 12. I'm going to say 9 or 12 of these instances all year. So what? let's round that into totally um, comedy improv statistical number, because I don't have a calculator out in front of me, uh, that's like 89%. So for 89% of 2018, I smoked cannabis at least once that day. Almost always in the evening, right before bed, right? On some days when I wasn't doing work or I wasn't required to drive at all, I would smoke it more than once a day. Whoop, you fucking do, some of you are uh, saying to yourselves. Um, but here's my point. If cannabis is really as addictive as the fear mongers in the opposition camp would have you believe, the next week is going to be a shit show of a clusterfuck of pain for me. And I'm willing to put... Uh, really put my... Uh, non-existent internet reputation on the line there. <laughs> um, and I laugh at myself for saying that, but I'm willing to put uh, myself to the test 
and share the, the results with you live, if not, if not live, close to live. What do I mean by that? The show is never scripted. On occasion, I will record the show not live, uh, actually on many, like about 60-40. 60-40, I record each, an episode completely live with zero opportunity to edit it. And the other 40% of the time, I record it not live and then do some minor edits, honestly, just to get the ums and ahs and, and sort of trips of the tongue and false starts um, just clear them out to keep the show sounding as professional as possible. Never have I ever, although there's one or two episodes out there that I've gone back to after posting and then done some interjection and commentary on and done some really interesting editing work to get that all to work, uh, and I intend to do more of that. Never have I edited my intention, right? And I hope to God no one's hacking my platform account and editing my shit so it says things I don't mean. Um... But I digress. What was I trying to get at? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I invite you to join me uh, for this semi-live or almost live experience. So stay tuned for that on this segment, Cannabis Talk. And be sure to tune in to the top of 2019 headlines breakdown on news, breaking news. And, um, and then a roundup of the latest clusterfuckery from Washington on Good Morning Trumptopia, as well as hopefully a couple of um, new or revived segments from the past. All right, I've already rambled way longer than I actually intended to originally. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for uh, checking it out. Thanks for your comments and your support. Until next time. May peace, love, and grooviness blossom in your heart. And now, for my favorite pre-record outro B-roll and signing off from the show. Well, folks, that bowl is cashed and dusted. <laughs> Thank you for joining me for yet another most excellent session of Cannabis Talk. Stay lit, pay it forward, and remember, the world needs healing, and cannabis heals. Until next time, I have been your spiritual cannabis mystic talk show host, the incorrigible Mr. Zeppo. Very dear friend of mine uh, said, used to say, 
I mean, I guess he still says it. I don't know. He would say, after a good, solid coughing fit, he would, like, kudos himself. Like, he'd pat himself on the back and say something like, Yeah! Way to get it in there! And I would ask him after... I asked him once, after a while of watching him do that, but like, what do you... What is that about, man? And he, uh... He responded, When you're coughing, it's like the opposite of when you're coughing because of cigarettes. When you have a smoker's cough, you're like hacking out your lung because it's all gross and nasty and dying from the tar. When you've got the cannabis cough, you're getting the healing nutrients, CBDs and THCs, from the cannabis smoke deeper in your lungs, which is helping to push out and clean all the gross, nasty shit. So that cough is like healing. It's the healing cough. Of course, I was, I am severely paraphrasing him. And I was, and he was, uh, at the time of that conversation, we were both extremely high. But I digress. A little bonus material for uh, the next Cannabis Talk episode. Okay. <clears throat> and now for the outro. <laughs>